You are listening to the sermon series, Follow. In this sermon, Pastor Dan Chung examines the gospel according to Luke, the identity of Jesus, and the cost of discipleship. The following is the presentation of LifeLight Church in San Francisco. For more information and other audio content, please visit lifelightchurch.org. So we, um, we're finishing up chapter 14 of the gospel of Luke. And last couple of chapters, um, what have we learned? What have you learned? Anyone have any kind of... <laughs> Memory of what we talked about in the last couple, few weeks? Exclusive but inclusive, yeah, the kingdom of God. Yeah, we what else? We learned that Jesus likes to party. Yeah, Jesus likes, likes to party. party. <laughs> <laughs> Good. What else? Well, that's kind of surprising. I'm glad that you actually remember something that's very positive. <laughs> something that's on the positive effect. Because I feel that uh, as, I'm, as we've gone through this, we've, we've talked a lot about rather heavy stuff, haven't we? we talked about a lot about judgment. we talked about um, urgency. we talked about deciding, having to choose, and the importance of the, you know, that decision that we make. We talked about it's kind of heavy, hard thing, really. Um, and that's what it has been talk of Jesus. He's been talking a lot about those things. And we, I don't know, maybe some of you uh, are taken back by, wow, this is just really, really difficult and hard. Um, and what is, where is this going to lead? So we're kind of wrapping that up. But there is a point that the Luke, the writer of the Gospel of Luke is trying to make. And he does it throughout the whole book and in, into the Acts is that following Jesus is difficult. There's a cost to following Jesus. And there's urgency, there's a judgment. It's not a thing to be taken lightly. But, and there's a but is coming up soon, in the beginning of chapter 15. But, there is the grace of Jesus. And we're going to get into that. And Luke moves into that. So we have to understand the heaviness and critical importance of deciding and urgency and understanding the judgment and what it means to us. But, at the same time, we also have to know the grace of God. That Jesus has done the work that gives us grace. So, next week, um, not next week, but week after Richard, guess what the story is going to be that we're going to talk about? It's going to be the, uh, the, the parable of a prodigal son. And Luke is going to move us into talking more about, yeah, it's difficult, there's a cost, but... Jesus has done it for you. There's a grace. So I want you to you know, start expecting that and feel lighter about um, that what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to have a relationship with Jesus and what Jesus has done for us in these things that uh, we have been talking about so far. I'm going to enjoy that a lot. And I think one of the things we're going to do with, uh, uh, when we go, get to the prodigal son, I don't know if you saw, but downstairs there's a painting. Um, that's a painting of prodigal son. And there's a edges on the corner. There's a white area. I actually, I'm actually going to bring it up. We're going to go through the prodigal son. I'm going to have you write on the side. Or draw a picture or whatever. And so we can put that back in the frame. And it will be something that all of us remember. And uh, I have also a bunch of books that's coming. And one of the books is about the prodigal son. Uh, and it's a great book for you to read. And uh, I think some of the books I can go in and take it to the retreat. And you can take some time reading those books too. So, that's what's coming up. But, up until then, 
it's still, we're still talking about the cost of discipleship. And the theme of the discipleship is keep running through the loop. And, it, you know, we talked about this. Salvation occurs in a moment, but discipleship takes lifetime. And we need to remember that. And so we're not living a life of decision. Like, I say yes to Jesus, that's it. But we're actually living a life of discipleship. Discipleship takes a lifetime. So if you misunderstand this, then people get rather disillusioned about who Jesus is and what the life of faith is about, rather than really being devoted to faith and devoted to life of following Jesus. So it's really critical for us to understand this right from the beginning. And something that we have failed to do as a church in through the at least you know mostly in past 30, 40 years is really taking an easy way and not holding people back from this. So one of the great books that's been written is by Bonhoeffer, who uh, gives us the quote today. He talks about cheap grace. That how churches and people have made grace really cheap. That, you know, being saved is all about, do you want to be saved by Jesus? You raise your hand in the church. You got it, right? That's what it really came down to um, in past years. And church has sold us basically cheap grace. So it's been told that, oh... All you need to do is just say yes and be baptized and you're fine. You don't have to do anything and, you know, it's whatever you want because grace of Jesus is there. Just do whatever you want. God loves you. Here's a better life. That's really been the selling point that if you want a better life, if you want to be good and happy, then accept Jesus because everything will be okay from that point on. So that's kind of the, what church has been, been selling. And for some people and some of your friends, it's really became okay to, like, you actually received it. And some of your parents have, older people have. They think that, oh, discipleship is really an option. It's not really something that you have to take. You know, you don't have to really make that commitment. Um, and you can just, you know, say you believe and then just occasionally go to church on the Easter and Christmas and you're okay. So that's actually what we've been sold at. People living life, going to church for themselves and not for the church. So you go to church and they ask, you know, what does this church do for me? I don't know if I like what they're offering. I don't know if I like the preacher. I don't like the way he's you know, preaching. Um, what am I getting out of this church? You know, what do they have for the members? Instead of what can I offer to the community? What can I serve? How can I serve the kingdom of God? So that's kind of what we've been receiving and what people sometimes receive. And yesterday we were uh, hanging out in the, by the elevator and we were talking. And someone mentioned about the fine print. That I rented a U-Haul truck for $29.99 per day. And I said, whoa, that's cheap. And I said, yeah, well, it's $1.99 per gallon, uh, per, you know, mile per guess. And someone mentioned, well, that's a fine print that people forget to read. And it almost feels like that, that there's a fine print that we hold back as a church, as Christians. And what we find out today is that Jesus doesn't hold back. There's no fine print in the way that Jesus speaks. And he just blurs out, right? Here's the cost of discipleship. Here's what's going to take. Deal with it. And that's what we have today. That's the today's text. So let's go ahead and read. And we'll, uh, we'll learn what it means. So I'll go ahead and read uh, one verse and you read the next. We're in Luke chapter 14, verse 25. Now large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them, Who comes to me and 
Jesus, not gave father and mother, wife and child, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, not be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost, to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him. Saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able to able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. If he cannot, then while the others are still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. It is... Feed neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. They throw it away. Let anyone, let anyone with ears to hear listen. Word of the God. <laughs> okay. What do you think? Difficult text, isn't it? I think we read a couple of times as we were going through the lectionary reading and people asked, what? What does this mean? It's a difficult saying of Jesus. Definitely, the verse 26 says, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. That's a difficult saying, right? So let's talk about that. Let me talk about what it doesn't mean first. What it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean to hate your family members. It doesn't mean to hate those any, any people. Because you understand, obviously, Jesus taught about loving. Jesus spoke highly about your relationship with your parents, uh, among siblings and family members. So, he's not changing his thoughts here. So, it doesn't mean to hate people, hate family. It also doesn't mean that you should remove yourself away from people and disregard people and distant people. And it doesn't mean that there's a people who are non-believers and there's a, you know God and God's people and we're against each other. It does not mean that. It doesn't mean that. So what it does mean is this word hate, it's, uh, it's sort of hyperbolic way of saying, so it's an extreme way of saying love less. And that's what it means. And the same word hate is being used in, throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. And one of the good examples is when you, there's a story of um, you know, Jacob and Esau, right? Jacob and Esau. And it says that God loved Jacob and hate Esau. But obviously, God didn't hate Esau. And you hear the, if you look at the story of Esau, God loved Esau, took care of Esau, and he had a great life. Right? God was there for him. So what that translation means literally is God loved Jacob, God loved Esau less. So that's what it means. So the question really is, when we're reading it, is, you know, your family members, father, mother, brother, siblings, and everyone, love less than what? You know, it should love less than, you know, obviously who? So verse 27 says, Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. You know, this carrying the cross phrase, we tend to just take it as, oh, the picture of the cross, that's good imagery. But to these people who are actually seeing the execution of the, you know, uh, crucifixion, these were real, they, they meant something different than what is for us. 
They actually saw people hanging on the cross. Carrying the cross basically meant dying a shameful death. Uh, he goes, and follow me. means Basically what it means, whoever does not take the shameful death for me, for my sake, cannot be my disciple. So that word, cannot be my disciple, repeats three times in our passage. We saw it twice already, verse 26 and 27. And verse 33 again, if you look at it, none of you can become my disciples. And it says the same meaning in different translation. None of you cannot be my disciples if you do not give up all your possessions. So, giving up all your possessions. We've seen that before. Jesus talked about it before. And one of the good examples of the story that we know is a rich guy, um, rich ruler comes to Jesus. Right? This is in Matthew chapter 19. He comes to Jesus and he says, I want to follow you, Jesus. And Jesus said, great. Okay, all you need to do is give up everything you got, give it all away and follow me. And he walks away thinking, oh, I can't do that. So, in that story, you see that Jesus giving him a choice. Follow me or keep your stuff. Right? You can't choose both. You either follow Jesus or you don't. So, you got to choose one path, not the both ways. And obviously, in the story that we read about this rich ruler, he picks his stuff. He said, oh, I can't. I can't give up my stuff. So, he, picks, he, he chooses his stuff. So, when you look at these sayings of Jesus, overall, what is Jesus saying? He's saying that you cannot be my disciples unless... And he gives these conditions. And these conditions are, one, love your family less than me. Two, willing to die a shameful death. Three, give, give up all your possessions. These are the conditions that Jesus has given. But really the big idea here, if you try to understand, what does that mean overall? Is that you don't exist. Whatever we want, we are called to deny. Denying yourself. So, Oftentimes, you know, we think about, oh, Christianity is all about believing in Jesus. And we don't think about the other part, about denying yourself and the cost of following Jesus. So, you know, we've got to carry the both, right? John chapter, uh, John 3.16 and, come on, no one remembers? Luke 9.26. Great. Thanks, Maya. John 3.16 and... Luke 9.23 You got to remember that It's not just John 3.16 You know God so loved the world He came to die And saved all of us But it's also If you want to follow me You need to deny yourself Take up your own cross Right Luke 9.23 John 3.16 Anyone Anytime you see somebody Carry John 3.16 Where do you go? Write it up, Luke 9.23, carry it next to it, okay? It cannot be alone, you gotta, it has to be both. Right, you know, somebody if you go to SF State, there's a guy who carries Jesus, loves you, God is love, and you carry next to it, right? But you gotta hate yourself and die to yourself. Right? Deny yourself. So, the topic today is life of denial. Denying yourself. It's not only about believing in Jesus, but it's also about denying yourself. You have to go both. Right? Denying yourself. But it's hard because we live in a culture that's all about you. All about saying yes to yourself. Can I have that? Do I want that? Do you want it? Yes. It's not about denying like, no, I can't have it. I'm going to deny myself of pleasure. Deny myself of opportunity. Deny myself of you know, advancement. 
life of following Jesus is not only about believing in Him, but it's also about denying yourself, which is really hard because it's about saying yes. Our lives are. But let's look at it in a bigger perspective. Kind of zoom back out. What is going on here? Why is Jesus saying these things? If you look at the context here, verse 25 kind of gives it away. It says, Now a large crowd were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them. Who's Jesus, who is Jesus talking to? The crowd. He's got a huge entourage. And some say it's up to like 500. I mean, imagine in this, he's like traveling with five towns, people. That's a huge entourage, right? So what are they after? You look at this, they're traveling, and what is the nature of their journey? These people who are following Jesus. Is it funeral procession? For one person it is, right? Who's that? Jesus, right? Jesus is headed to the cross. This is a funeral procession for Jesus. Or is it a march? Are some of these people thinking that this is a march that they're making toward Jerusalem? For some people it is. They're going to fight something. They're marching on to Jerusalem. This is against Galileans, against Jerusalem people. This is against Jews, against Romans. This is us against peasants, against you know rulers. We're marching to accomplish something, make something new out. Or is it a parade? And for a lot of them, I think it is. They're just traveling along. And who doesn't love parade, right? Everyone loves parade. Hey, this is fun. Let's all just walk down together and travel down to Jerusalem. This is fun. And for a lot of people, it is. Like, they're traveling. Jesus is cool. His teaching's awesome. You know, we're seeing all these miracles. Let's go. Let's be part of this. So, what does Jesus have to say to these happy people? Because you can imagine, Jesus is looking at these people, and they're so happy, they're following Him, they're excited, and He knows their heart, and He says, i got to break something down to you. I know you're all happy, you're, it's great that you're here, and you're learning, and you're seeing the miracles and stuff, but you, you don't know what you're following. You don't know what you're chasing after. I have to tell you these things, because it's going to cost you a lot more than you are willing to probably give up. So, that's Jesus. That's the context of Jesus looking at these people who are just aimlessly following Jesus, saying, no, 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 no. You need to know what's going to cost you here. So, that's the... He's just revealing the fine print. He makes it clear. There's no fine print for Jesus. He just reveals it. If you follow me, then it's going to require these things. Right? It's going to require these things. This isn't just going to be Passive, casual relationship. Right? I mean, it's nice. Valentine's Day is coming. Someone asks you, Oh, would you be my Valentine? Great. You go on a date. Oh, this is so fun. Right? This is lovely. Nice dinner and candies and stuff. And Jesus is saying, Wait a minute. This isn't going to be a casual relationship. This is going to be a committed relationship. And it's going to be in my terms. Not your terms. Would you be willing to take it? So it's all about knowing what you're getting into. And that's what Jesus is talking about from verse 28 to 32 when he's talking about the tower builder and the king. He's saying, look at these people. They sit down means, that basically means you take time to consider. You sit down, right? To consider, is this gonna, are you going to make through this? right? Are you going to see the end through this? And they need to understand, they need to evaluate, they need to think through, as we all need to think through. 
And you talk about it, and a lot of people don't. Like, for example, wedding day. Wedding is easy. Going through wedding is wonderful. Who doesn't love wedding, right? And if, especially, well, preparing for wedding might be stressful if you're like bride with certain needs and desire and dreams. But who doesn't love wedding? Wedding's great, right? Like you jump into get, getting married, right? You go, I can do wedding. But can you do marriage? Because that's a whole different story, right? But some people jump in just thinking, oh, we're going to have such a beautiful wedding. It's going to be wonderful without thinking about the 50 years that you have to spend with this people, person. Or, Randy was talking about how he wanted to be in the army. You know, he wanted loved to be in the army. And, and he said he wanted to sign up for army. I did too when I was in high school. Who doesn't want to when you're in high school? You see this marine and there's a sign-up table. You go to career, you know, day. And they tell you, and these guys are... You know, like this, and you go, wow, I want to be just like that guy. Right? Who doesn't want to be, right? So you want to sign up for army, and they talk about all the benefits. They talk about, oh, we're going to pay for your college afterwards. You're going to have great medicals, you know, and you're going to have this thing. You're going to have skills, and you're going to get a job, and all these benefits, right? But, wow, awesome. I want to sign up. That's easy. Until you say, oh, you need to go out and go out to combat. You need, you're going to be sent to Iraq. Right? I mean, you actually, you know, you, some of your friends says this. Yeah, I'm signing for army. You know, I hope I don't go to Iraq. I hope I get sent. <laughs> well, what's the point? <laughs> right? But, you know, some of these Christians are like that. They're saying, oh, it's great, but I don't want to give that up. I don't want to give up my life. I don't want to give up my comfort. I don't want to give up any of that. I just want to feel good about it. Receive all the benefits, but not the cost. So Jesus, that's what Jesus is saying is, are you willing to see this through? So he's saying, you've got to make a choice here. As you sit down, you think through, you calculate, you have to make a choice. Would you choose Jesus over things that you listed? You took time, a couple of minutes to, to list, you know, list out the things that matters the most, those people that love, you know, matter the most to you. Could you choose Jesus over things that you just listed? Family members, money, career goals, you know, partying, having a good time, getting drunk, having a better home, big home, freedom, comfort, and however people might perceive you and think of you. Can you give all that up? Or are you in a place, or will you stuck at a place where you say, I follow Jesus, but, and make, give it a condition, give your own terms, make exceptions, making exceptions. I mean, it's not, that's not how it works. You know, um, I think one of the good examples is like vegetarians. You, do, have you ever met, it's rare to meet 100% purely committed vegetarians. They always have a, you know, exception like, yeah, I'm vegetarian, but I eat a little bit of chicken, right? <laughs> I'm vegetarian, but I do fish here and there. Um, a lot of vegetarians have exceptions. Like, you know, you're either, you are or you're not. The same thing, either you are or you're not. You can't say, well, I follow Jesus, but... I don't want to give, I don't want to tithe, I don't want to spend time, I don't want to serve, I don't want to be involved in this, um, I can't forgive these people, I can't deal with these people, I can't forgive that person, he doesn't deserve my forgiveness. Um, you know, you, we give conditions, right? We give conditions and we say, you know, it's, I'll do that, but I'm not into that. I'm not into going to church, I'm not into giving, I'm not into serving, um, I'm not into that, but I'll do that. Giving exceptions and giving conditions. 
Or is what Jesus is asking, are you able to deny yourself of these things? So, let's talk about this. Why is Jesus saying this? He's got a whole lot of people. I mean, it looks good if he marched into Jerusalem with all these people, right? Why is Jesus saying it? So we got to understand who Jesus is. Why is he saying this? And one way is, is Jesus being speaking as a politician and kingdom of God as political arena where Jesus presents himself. Is that what this is about? And a lot of people think so. A lot of people who are gathered here think so. This is going to be a political thing. Jesus is going to claim and he's going to rule. But if Jesus is a politician, you know, basically what he's saying is, vote for me, I'm going to bring higher tax, lower you know, income and less jobs. Right? It makes no sense. Not like the great, you know, state of union that Obama addressed. I mean, who wasn't, who wasn't impressed by that, right? He said all the right things. This isn't Jesus. Jesus is saying all the wrong things. If he's a politician, if kingdom of God is about political arena. Is Jesus a salesman? Is he trying to sell kingdom of God? Like, I need to fill up the kingdom of God with as many people as I can. Then he's saying the wrong thing again, Right? He should be talking about benefits. You're going to have a peace and comfort and God will protect you and all of that. Your life is going to be better. Instead, he's saying, your life is going to be horrible. You're going to hate yourself. You're going to hate yourself and hate everyone that you love. You're going to die. Horrible death. Shameful death. Are you willing to follow me? So, that's not it. Then what is it? Why is Jesus saying? Who is Jesus and what is kingdom of God? I think the one way that makes most sense is if Jesus is king, and the kingdom of God is his kingdom, and he's on to something, he's after a mission that is critical, and he's inviting us to join him, then this makes sense. Why Jesus is saying it? And the, really, the great example in understanding this is like some of the movies that we watch. Um, a lot of war movies, uh, like I'll give you some example. Is it Wrath of Titans, the first one? Right? The uh, Perseus? Clash, Clash. Clash of Titans, the first one. Right? What's his name? Not Perseus. Perseus? Perseus. Perseus, Perseus right? The character, he's about to go and face the, uh, the snake heads. Oh, Medusa. Medusa, right? Medusa. And he sits, you know, he's in front of it, and he's look at the people who's been following him, and he turns around and says, I'm going to go in, i got to do this, but... None of you might come out alive. Are you going to go with me? Right? Is that what Jesus is saying? And you see this in all, a lot of war movies. People are leaving, going to the war and saying, I got to go. And saying goodbye to their family members and, you know, their spouse and, you know, children. Saying, hugging them and kissing them and doing their last goodbye and saying, I'm going to go to this war because we need to win this. And it's going to bring safety to you. It's the right thing to do. I'm going to go and I might not come back. I'm going to die at the war. And is that what Jesus is? He's a general who's calling soldiers, saying, this isn't going to be where you're going to walk away, not scratched, but this is where you might give up your life for. Uh, one of my favorite movies is um, Con Air. <laughs> I don't know who's seen it. Con Air with, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, he did a yeah, Ghost Rider. Yeah, Nicholas Cage, and there's a scene where 
the whole movie is about this guy, him, trying to get to his little girl and his wife. Right? That's the whole the movie is. But at the end, if something has gone wrong, he says, I got to do the right thing here. I'm going to die. I might die. But I got to do the right thing. Would you say to my wife and to, you know, my little girl that daddy died doing the right thing? Is that what Jesus is calling us to do? So if that is, and what we understand these scriptures is that is the case. There's an urgency and there's a judgment. We are being called to do a great thing with God for Jesus. And He's not calling us just stroll in and just have fun and receive all the benefits. He's calling, as general is calling soldiers, if you join me, it's going to be a worthy cause, but it's going to cost you. It might cost you to be away from those you love, to choose over those you love. You might die shame for death, and people might not accept you, but, and you might not receive all the comfort and all the success that people look up to, are you willing to follow me? Would you be the soldiers to follow me into the battlefield? That's what Jesus is offering and clarifying and calling us and those who are following Him at this time. And you know, the, really the problem is we think that it's all about our salvation. Don't we? Like people think, I'm saved, great. We think Jesus, God created the whole universe just for my own salvation. But what God has, the kingdom of God is bigger than our own salvation. It's not just about our own salvation. It's bigger than that. And we're being called into, invited into, and have a privilege to join into something that's much bigger than our own salvation, which we need to move from our salvation into joining in that mission that God has for us, for the kingdom of God. So the quote that you have here, Bonhoeffer, whose book I have, I'm going to have a couple of his books, I really want you guys you know, to read, um, Cost of Discipleship, and uh, there are other books. He says, being a Christian is less about continuously avoiding sin, because you want to be saved, than about courageously, actively doing God's will. That's what Jesus is calling everyone. He says, come on, join me in this battle. See where I'm going. See where I'm headed. So let me close with this. I know that this is a tough call. This is difficult. This is difficult for anybody. Flip side of that is when you do make the call to follow Jesus, there's a peace, there's comfort, there's protection from God. God provides for it. It's great. But you need not make decisions looking at these benefits, but you need to make decisions, choose looking at the cost. You still got to make a choice, but that choice has to be, as you look at the cost, is Jesus worth it? You still have to make choice. Which means you need to choose what relationship comes to you first. Is it relationship with God that comes first or relationship with somebody else? It's so much that relationship with God is going to basically define, redefine your relationship with others. And that's what it means. And it's going to need some deep you know, detaching, detaching, and it's gonna uh, require making turning away from certain relationships, certain things, because your relationship with God will define your rest of relationships. It's a decision that we're called to make. It's a tough one, 
But we need to make a choice, looking at the cost. And you know, I will tell you that it's a right decision if you make the decision to follow Jesus. Look at me. Look at people that love God, who have chosen to follow Jesus, who have made sacrifices. Look at their lives and you can't say, oh, look at that person's life. That, that person's life is horrible. I mean, just look at me. Is my life horrible? <laughs> I don't think so, uh, when anybody look at it. And, you know, I believe in poverty. Um, I should not, but leading this church, doing this church ministry, I'm going to live in poverty for a few years, unless you guys all grow and church is strong and there's, you know, I have 15 years of experience in the same field. I have master's degree. I'm going to have a doctorate degree, but I'm still going to be living in poverty for a few years. But am I not happy? No. Am I not doing well? I mean, most people, I think, would look at me in my life and says, you know, look at what they also look at the beautiful wife and lovely child and all of that and all the Facebook pictures and Instagram pictures and say, oh, look at Dan. Dan's so happy. But my happiness is not without hardships and it's not without crisis and it's not without pain. You know, I'm getting old. I get, you know, hang out with my friends and, you know, a few days ago, I'm hanging out with my friends and we're talking about Oh, I'm doing this because, you know, I am having these symptoms showing up. I mean, we're already talking about how sick we are, right? How we might get sick and we need to prevent ourselves from sick. And we're just 40 years old, right? And this is how it turns. When you get older, it's going to be like, we can talk about going to hospitals and pills we're taking. And I'm already in that. It's sad, right? And, you know, in a few years, people are still going to die. Like, my parents are at the age, they're going to go, you know, go away soon, um, People that were good to me, my mentors and all the people that led me, important people in my life, they're going to die. That's how life is. And there's going to be suffering and pain. But the life isn't based on that. My happiness is not. And it's happiness as I chose to follow despite the cost of following Jesus. But it's a tough call. And anybody, if anyone knew how hard it is, look at Peter. Look at Peter. He said, I'm going to follow you no matter what. And what happened when someone asked, are you one of his disciples? That's how hard it is. It's a hard call. Can you choose Jesus when you are most challenged with the decision? When Jesus said, are you my disciple? Are you going to follow me or that? Secondly, because it's difficult, it's not something you can do by your own strength or it's something that's immediately happening. It's going to take time. It's going to take being shaped up and molded and it's going to take community. That's what we are. That's who we are as a community. We are together so we can encourage each other in the life that we follow Jesus. That's why our, the mission and slogan is we are a community. What? Learning to live and love like Jesus. That's what we're after. That's following Jesus. Learning to live like Jesus, love like Jesus. And at that comes the cost too. And that's what we're going to talk about in the retreat. What that means and how we're practicing that together is what we're going to do at retreat. That's who we are as a church. And we definitely do not hold back the fine print. You know, we laid it out there. This is going to be difficult. We're going to need commitment. And so we set really high bar when it comes to what it means to be part of this community that everyone gives, everyone attends, 
right? Everyone serves. Everyone gives in. Everyone makes sacrifices. It's about equal sacrifices. So that's what I love about tithing. Tithing isn't about who gives more. It's about who sacrifices equally, which is what Jesus teaches. So that's who we are. We set high standard. We keep, you know, we make uh, the fine print very, you know, specific and out there because that's what we believe. So we want to be a church full of followers of Jesus and non-believers. You know, that's really the, the combination that's right for church. There's followers of Jesus and they're non-believers. What church cannot have is those people who are consumer, like Christian consumers. They call themselves Christians, but who are not. They're the ones who kill the church. We don't want to have that. And we weed that out by having and being specific and by having a high standard of who we are as a community. And we want to be a community that's full of followers of Jesus and full of non-believers who look at the followers of Jesus and know what it takes, know what wonderful it is, how wonderful it is, and know how great it is because the cost we give is worth it because of who Jesus is and what God has offered for us. And there's a peace and there's comfort because of what Jesus has done, which we're going to learn in the next couple of chapters. In your sermon guide, <clears throat> uh, in the letter, there's a last letter you're going to see. What would it be like if you were to write last letter to those you love? Say you're like, you know, in a battlefield, wounded, and you're gonna, you know, you're not gonna make it. And somehow you get this, you know, you get to make a call to those you love. What would your last words be to those you love? Those that are, don't matter the most to you. What would those words be? Have you said those words? And what would they sound like? So I'm going to give you a, maybe a minute or two just to think that you don't have to write. But think and imagine and write in your mind what your last letter to those you love might be like. Because that's what Jesus is calling us to do. Are you ready? To give all this up for me. And the good news is. That God is worth it. That God gives us more than we give up. God loves us. And in giving up our relationship. He makes our relationship with others even more richer. And purer and greater. But it takes that moment of making the decision to give up. And putting God first. I'm going to give you a minute and then I'll close us in prayer. Father, before we know the amount and quality of grace that you give us, help us to know and understand and carefully think through the cost of following you. And I know that these costs may not have been presented to us yet. But as we think through, help us to make choice in choosing you because you're worth it, because what you give is greater than our cost. I pray that your spirit will allow us to understand it and be courageous and trust you 
in our decisions. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. This concludes our presentation. For more information and other audio content, please visit lifelightchurch.org.